0: All right. The Q and A. Q and A. What uh, questions do you all have? It's a big Did topic. Did not understand
1: any of that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Should we just restart it? But uh, <laughs> according to like Michael from the office, explain it to you like you're five. Yeah. You know. Um, we I, actually had a question.
1: Lauren. <laughs> right.
2: yeah good
0: good question um so wouldn't what does the boat have consciousness so i think we're the point might have been missed there because we it wasn't an analogy for like consciousness it was more of a thought experiment for identity specifically like if identity or what something is is specifically physical, even if it is a boat, right? It's because we identified that boat as Theseus's boat, right? So if identity is really just physical, um, then there would be a problem because now we have all those physical pieces over here. And if identity was physical, wouldn't this be the actual boat? Wouldn't this be Theseus's boat? But again, over here, we have Theseus still sailing. The same boat.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so okay, it's, cer- <laughs> it's certainly
1: the boat wouldn't have identity by itself, independent of human beings. I would say. Yeah. And is that, so this is actually a th- things that Christians disagree on. So like one of the Christian philosophers that we think is awesome, he, all right, this is way too many jargony terms. that is not going to help <laughs> anybody. Um, he believes that what well, we've talked about with like universals and particulars, things having essences. He actually. Think, thinks that all of those things are just figments of our imagination, that those are our imagination that we project onto things. So there are Christians that hold that view that are still, that believe in body and soul. But we think that there's problems with that. And so um, when we're talking about unity of identity, there is a human aspect to it where we fund a little bit of the unity of, uh, or the identity of the thing. Yeah. It comes from us a little bit.
0: Yeah. So like the boat doesn't have an ad- identity, but we identify that boat as someone's, right? Mm -hmm. So like, again, Theseus has boat. the boat doesn't have its own identity, but okay, obviously Theseus owns it. Theseus sails it. It's his boat, right? But again, the problem is specifically physical. Are we to say that there is some type of mental connection or immaterial connection between us knowing Theseus and his boat, or is it all physical? And if it is all physical, then we could actually say if we took every part from that boat we could then have Theseus' Theseus's boat over here and then that's where the problem arises because Theseus's boat is over here but Theseus is still sailing this boat right over here right I But he, again he didn't change boats so the identity didn't switch right there um well at least the Christian would say the identity didn't switch the, again the materialist the person who thinks everything is physical or identifying things are just physical, um, that's where the
1: problem comes up, where we don't know which one is the original. Does, do you see the, if we relate it just back to who we are as people, do you see the problem more? Like if all of our cells get reconstituted, but I'm still will, that is, that's the same point we're making. So maybe it would be better to view it as just a helpful analogy to help you get that point. Yeah. Um, more than getting focused on do material objects, mm-hmm. have an immaterial part of them. So if every cell that passed away was taken away and added to
0: another being, like just added together over here and created into a being, wouldn't I still be Samuel, though? Right? Or would this be Samuel? If we're just cells, then we have no idea who's Samuel. Right. Um, Yeah. Does that help? Okay. (laughs) Any other questions? Yeah, any other questions? Oh, Tyler.
1: What would Sam Harris define free will as? I don't think he would define free will. I, would I think say he would, would reject he would, it. Yeah, he would say we don't have free, free will. Okay. He, would, he would say our choices are illusions and that they are actually determined by factors outside of us. Mm-hmm. So my choice to choose Trix cereal in the morning was determined by all causal factors that preceded it. There wasn't a awaiting for me as a person to make a choice for that choice to unfold it was simply that was the next domino falling in the course of nature right
2: that sense?
1: say that again
0: Also, what things would he say de- determines our choices or determines what happens? So, like with the trick series. So, what determined him
1: eating tricks? Yeah. Basically, um, all, all, a host of all things that include my environment. Mm. So, um, all the things that influence me, like me as an organism having, you know, certain wants or desires, those might factor in or whatever. Like, he would just say the environment around you determines your choice. Mm-hmm. But there isn't actually a, a you that's a source of that choice. Yeah. So, so he wouldn't boil it down to one thing, probably.
0: Yeah, he would say a lot of things, but also I see that I see I kind of see a problem there. I'm not sure if this is a good objection or not, but it's just a thought. But let's say there are a bunch of things that, Determine what I'm going to do Um, It would be really hard to like me be in that room and like ask Sam Harris point to all of the physical objects Exactly, which are all determining my choices right now. And if he um, If he said something like in the past, I'd be curious to see like how exactly can something like maybe weeks ago or days ago or months ago exactly determine me choosing tricks and how does he know that those are connected right how like me me doing a specific routine in the morning how does that determine my actions and choices for today so how can he explain that correlation right seems like okay if we give him this example of will making a choice for tricks what evidence does he have to justify that those exact events beforehand caused. Tricks to happen. Um, yeah, there may be no correlation. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's uh, if you ask like a smart philosopher of mind and stuff, all these terms are really. Reduced terms to just kind of introduce stuff. So supernaturalism could be defined any number of ways. The way we're defining it is simply um, that there are things other than material objects. There, that uh, material objects don't constitute all of nature, all mm. of reality. Yeah. Yeah. But you could, I would, I would say, there's probably Christians that would quibble with the term supernaturalism. I think Josh Rasmussen. Rasmussen himself doesn't like the term supernaturalism because it, it prevents barriers to talking with others who take different viewpoints uh-huh. so like other philosophers he thinks it often gets in the way of, of Dialoguing well with them because the term supernaturalism carries with it a bunch of baggage people yeah. immediately just think you're talking about like Demons and ghosts and stuff. And yeah. so there's there's some cultural baggage with the term supernatural. Yeah, that can be problematic
0: immaterial is might be better the like material and the immaterial view or um Also, I've used crap. I just added. I think I lost it.
1: There are non material aspects to reality. That's how I define it. Mm-hmm.
2: Supernatural, like natural is like
1: what you can see into. In, yeah, natural Super has been...
2: is like, wow, like beyond apparently nature. That's what you kind of get mm-hmm. in the jug or whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah, so it's beyond nature, something a little bit more than just the physical things.
1: Yeah. right that's
0: a great, great question. Maris, yes. and then. Oh
1: either or to look at a different <coughs>
2: point of view, like um, like all these things you mentioned was like, uh, how would this apply to, for example, like animals? Because they all have thoughts, they all have all these things that you talked about, but then, you know, we as Christians don't say animals have so. Mm-hmm.
1: So, we do, we can. Um, the way that thomas aquinas one of the greatest thinkers in history the way he he talked about it was that um, actually all living things have a soul and he's using this term in a very broad sense but there's different capacities to different souls so like um, vegetation he says has a vegetative soul um, he thinks about like there, there are plants that, that have the ability to grow they have the power of growth and self-preservation even in a sense there's plants that can like Kind to of defend themselves a little bit, it's kind of crazy, um, because they're living. And then you move up a rung, and the animal soul has those things, but also the ability to move. It has locomotion, so a dog can move around. A dog can also like sense uh, predators around it and stuff. It can um, also respond to stimulus, um, in a sense. And then human beings are above that. They have all of those things, And also we have the uh, rational thought process. How Aristotle defined us was we're a rational animal. So we're animals, but we have a rational part of our soul. And so we can speak about animals having a soul in a sense. Um, It's just when we think of soul, we typically just think about the immaterial parts of human beings that are unique. Um, But we can talk about animals having a soul. Um, So interact with that. Is there more you wanted to ask? Is the answer? is the question do cats go to heaven or do dogs go to heaven
2: I mean, that, you could,
1: uh, that could be a problem yeah aquinas answers no unfortunately yeah. Although maybe i think personally dogs go to heaven cats go to hell yeah <laughs> i mean uh, god says that people are made in the image of god yes mm-hmm. true so, i love cats and i love dogs but uh, good boys good. Yeah. Um, so like, I love
2: this first question. Who are we? Who are we made of? Do you think that the material is a way that God can reflect the spiritual the eternal? You know what I mean? Like if God made mankind mm-hmm. out of dust and his own breath, mm-hmm. right? The account of Genesis, right? How does that like reflect an eternal spiritual being that's on the you know? like, And like also the vanity. Mankind. It like helps give meaning. Like, the material, if it's rightly understood, right. can help better understand the supernatural being that made all
1: things. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, God yeah. became material. Like God entered into. There was basically two major events in the history of reality. God created stuff, and so suddenly there was. So it started. There was just God, and then suddenly God created stuff. And that was the big, the first big event. And then the second big event was. God entered into what he created. It was the second huge event. And so obviously God has good, creation is good. That's what I wanna say as Christians. Uh, Historically that's, you know, lots of people have said all creation, all matter is bad and we need to flee to the spiritual realm. But no, Christians believe that creation is good and eventually we're gonna live as glorified material bodies not just souls flying around in heaven like ghosts or something. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all creation points to the eternal reality of God, I would say.
0: Yeah, if you're asking about specific material things, I would say actually yes. Um, specifically, <clears throat> things we would give meaning to. So we use symbolism, right? And, and that's a faculty of human beings. I would say that's what we call the creative part of the soul, um, where that's what Tolkien would really go for where he would like write these stories or make these stories or there would be these things but we um have it reflect the true reality of god right that spiritual realm so we we see in the bible all the time god uses material things to signify or symbolize spiritual realities so like that's what we'd say baptism is it's a mm-hmm. um signifying or symbolism of the spiritual reality of that death and rebirth that uh humiliation and exaltation we would say that the ark of the covenant and the temples in the old testament reflected god's nature or um even maybe his throne room god is surrounded by specific angelic beings right the um a lot of the temples or arcs of the arcs of the covenant they have those uh, cherubim right um so we have these material objects we have that we give symbolic and signifying meanings to that reflect god right so i would say the material is connected to um the spiritual even in like number we could have like a number of specific material things and that would mean something mm-hmm. um, according to god so yeah thanks for the question yes The and that's a great question I love that question
1: um I think like yeah. I think computer programmers might have a better idea about, about um, whether you can create something as a human being as a programmer that can be conscious I I don't know Elon Musk tells me that in a few years, AI will develop its own consciousness and take over and stuff. I'm more skeptical because my dad's told me that that's a really difficult problem to solve. So. Okay, okay, yes, it is <laughs> difficult. But um, there's this movie a while ago. Uh, it's
0: called The Imitation Game. Uh, I don't know if anyone of you have heard it, but uh, basically what happened in that it's the story of Alan Turing. He made a computer to crack the Nazis' code, right? Um, because It was such a hard code that they couldn't do it by hand or just by people because it would take way too long and he made a computer for it but basically from alan turing and all his work and all his creations and even his philosophical ideas um came what is called like a turing test right um and so we get into this philosophical part of computers where there are specific tests we can give uh computers where we say, okay, is it actually consciousness if we do that? So um, one of the problems is the computer would only then do what we program. So there's this, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole experiment uh, experiment right now, cause it's a really big one. And also I studied it like four years ago and I don't remember it all, but it's called like the Chinese room problem where, mm-hmm. um, if you, if that, let's say this person was in a room. And you gave them instructions uh, on what to do when something happens, uh, and in the, you, in the Chinese language. Yeah, and you were slipping in notes of the Chinese language, and depending on what you slipped in, they would have to follow specific directions. Um, they would then kind of like do something with these symbols and slide it out to someone else that actually spoke Chinese, and to the person outside that room that's receiving these letters with these Chinese symbols, it would seem like, hey, this this thing, or this person in the room, or whoever's slipping me these notes knows Chinese. Well, they don't actually know Chinese, they're just following the instructions. Mm -hmm. So they don't have this consciousness or knowledge, they're just following the instructions that they were told to follow. So that's that's the problem. Um, And then there's also the Turing test, there are specific tests, and there's actually like, People have started doing this with video games. There are sp- specific video games and, and riddles or logical problems that computers cannot solve where they've, they've tried it, but it always fails. And then humans are the only ones that are able to actually solve these problems. And the, those are called Turing tests.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So jury's still out on Terminator and whether yeah, that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, but it's like a really hot topic. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Skynet's going to happen. <laughs>
1: Any other questions? Yeah. Tyler. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is a flawed question, but, like, so science of the gaps? God of the... Like, right, right, sorry. I don't know I'm talking. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, we, we have faith in God, and, like, they have faith that science will figure it out. Like, is that a flawed question? To say that science of the gaps is... Yeah. Kind of a bad method. I agree. Yeah, I think... Um, Right, yes. Often theists will respond by saying that materialists often operate with the same assumption of science will explain everything eventually when they accuse Christians of saying uh, that God will explain everything. Um, I think both both systems do the same thing. And right. I actually think that the argument is just bad, both ways. Um, exp- having something in your worldview that explains a lot of stuff isn't a bad feature of, of your worldview. That's just not. That's that's not... It's not a good argument to say God of the gaps or science of the gaps, I think. Um, I think that argument is just bad. I would just take it on the chest every single time somebody said God of the gaps to me. Mm. Because it's often... Um, even when The example I gave with the lightning. Uh, when they say, we, we've, we've explained how lightning works now with science. Whereas before, they thought it was the gods. I would just say, I think it's both. Um, just because we're able to do some experimental stuff and figure out some some neat, fancy-sounding terms to describe what's happening with lightning. That doesn't describe all of what lightning is or all of why that event took place or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that we've actually explained away a bunch of stuff that the ancients believed in. Mm -hmm. I think we've taken another angle and looked at the material aspects of stuff and hyper-focused on that, Um, but none of the why questions related to any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think the whole God of the Gaps objection is a bad one. And I think that theists responding with science of the gaps might be rhetorically effective, but ultimately I think that, that it's just not a very good argument either way.
0: Um, I would say more specifically, like, let's say it was a good argument. I just think people use it at the wrong times and they constantly say, oh, that's God of the gaps. Um, yeah. No, so like, for example, I, I've heard uh, atheists accuse a theist of this, but they're like arguing for, for God based on, a part of reality. If you if you have good reasoning to believe that something is because of a creator or was designed and there's a designer, that's not God of the gaps. That's, that's just following the evidence and finding the best explanation. Now, if I were to say, I don't know this, so obviously God, that would be more of a God of the gaps argument sure. um, where I would just be like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to answer that or worry about that problem, but it's God, right? God covers that, right? Um, where as yeah other situations it's not that and so I think it just gets thrown around at the wrong times as well um, which is very problematic so like is it effective? Um, probably not.
2: Mm-hmm. How, would you, uh, how would you guys you know, talk with somebody who doesn't believe in like you know, the fact of like God's creation story right? Man being made from dust and God's breath or like how can a serpent talk or how can you know Things in the Bible that are described like, you know, with with faith, right? You have to take that on faith that the serpent had the ability to talk. Also, that Adam came from dust, material things, and then became a soul the very day of. You know what I mean? How would you explain to somebody who doesn't even go there, it's like, nope, that sounds like a fantasy story. That sounds like your J.R. Tolkien book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure. How do you prove to them through
1: your faith and also through your reason? that this is plausible, that there is a God that actually has the ability to do just that, to so,
2: make life yeah. from nothing, like
1: not nothing but dust, to sure. make alive from dust. So, this is where I'll say maybe some controversial things uh, that are genuinely my opinions, though. Yep. Um, so, I will completely grant, first of all, I believe God can do any of those things. God obviously can make a serpent talk. That's non true. That's not hard for me to believe. He created everything from nothing. That's the bigger miracle than anything that Genesis talks about. Um, So I believe that God has the power to do any of those things. Um, Do I believe that the intention of the author of Genesis was to communicate to us that that's exactly how the events took place? That's where I am questioning things. I start to question things about whether the author's intent was to communicate that to his audience or whether there is what we would call figurative language today, being used in the earliest chapters of Genesis Mm -hmm. to describe historical events long after they happened, to retell them for theological purposes. Mm -hmm. So Moses is writing long after Adam and Eve, even if you're a young earth creationist, still a while after the the events took place, and he's rewriting these things, the creation account inspired by the Holy Spirit, to to retell how Israel came to be. so I think that to, I don't think you have to conclude from that that that's exactly how things happened. I believe in a literal Adam and Eve. I believe in a fall of mankind. Um, but I do believe that there was lots of imagistic and figurative language being used in the original account. That's what I believe personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you have to try and prove to somebody um, that a serpent can talk. I don't think you need to try and prove that to somebody in order for them to come to Christ. I don't want that to be a barrier for somebody to come to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to win somebody to the person of Jesus rather than you have to interpret this Genesis account as wooden as you possibly can. I don't think that that should be a barrier. And I actually think that that's been, um, that has been churning out young people into atheists for the last hundred years. <laughs> I think what's happened a lot in church is that we've, uh, we've mandated that reading of Genesis as the only one that's biblical. And then kids go to university, already kind of doubting that. Then they run into a class where the entire purpose of the class is to debunk that interpretation of Genesis in Biology 101. And then they come away as an atheist. So uh, whether, whether that interpretation of Genesis is right or not, um, I think it has done a lot of harm to restrict Genesis to only that reading. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Um, yeah. And
0: if you will just... Just to show that it's not recent, like Augustine, year like 300 something, he he had like three to five different commentaries on Genesis. He was like, I don't know how to interpret it, but here are all the different ways you can. Um, and he's like the greatest church thinker of the past 2,000 years, right? Um, so so that's one thing right there. But how would I? Let's let's say yes, that's what happened. Everyone believed that. How would we convince them of that? I would say that's a very hard topic to do so, and if someone had just a completely different worldview, I would actually not even start that at the moment. I would start with something simple. I would start with convincing them to start questioning materialism, or I would start just trying to talk about ideas of God existing in general. And then if somehow you take all these tiny steps and they believe God, they believe there's a being out there, they believe that there's more than just the material world, then I would start moving towards, hey, this is why Christianity is true, and this is how we approach um, kind of odd things in the Bible, where if we took them literally like a serpent speaking of something we don't see today, this is how we could handle it. So I would say it's like way down the line of something you would, would address. I don't think you would be like right away, oh, I'm going to try and convince
1: them that a serpent can talk, right? But if you are committed to that worldview, and I totally respect that, Yeah. if you just always believe that that's true, and that might be right completely. And so um, if you believe that, um, more power to you, that's totally fine. And that could definitely be right. Um, the way I would go with that then is to try to point out the things that are already miraculous in both of your worldviews. So they believe, if they don't believe in God, they believe that everything came from nothing. So that they believe that nothing created everything, oftentimes, unless they believe that the universe is eternal and then there's other problems with that. But if they believe what science says today, that there was a beginning to the universe, then, and no God, then they believe that everything came from nothing. Now that's already a big miracle. That's a bigger miracle than a certain serpent talking or God making a serpent talk. And so I would would start to try and level the playing field of, all of our worldviews are mysterious. Things get really foggy when we go back to the origins of reality. Everybody's got miraculous accounts, is what I would say. And so maybe just say everybody's got miraculous things in their worldview that are hard to explain and start to approach the topic like that. That's, yeah. that's where I would go. But good question. Yeah. Let's see.
0: Any more? Any more questions? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh,
2: you guys-
0: Right. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Okay. What purpose do dreams play, material or spiritual? Um. I think it could be both. I I do think it could be both. So like a lot of modern psychologists would say the interpretation of dreams is basically things you've experienced and you're processing. Um and and that and that's pretty much it they would say uh, or that they would say like really deep or repressed desires or something of that sort so it'd be made up of your experiences or something like that but also the bible specifically says that hey god has uh communicated things in dreams before right so it could be spiritual as well now um so yeah i don't think they're mutually exclusive i think dreams could um be definitely the case that they help you process uh, things you've experienced, or it's, uh, it's kind of your, your brain sifting through all of this stuff, but also it could have spiritual significance of things that are happening spiritually or internally. Um, and and it's reflecting that.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's conclusive knockdown evidence for either a materialist worldview or a theistic worldview. Again, I think of the, the analogy used of a piano player, playing the piano is how I view the soul and the body. And so I would put the dreams in the same sort of category. Um, that the soul is relying on the brain to do stuff, that's why like, you could still see brain activity while a dream is happening, right? Um, but I wouldn't reduce it to that's all that's going on. Uh, there still might be a spiritual component. Um, and I would say that there is. To me, dreams are just the things that I forget five seconds after I wake up. Yeah. And there's never any significance to them. But or that is super weird? So, yeah. that's all I got. We could do like one more question and then
0: move on to small groups. So, is there one last question or no?
2: Boom.
1: I've always kind of been confused about
2: the difference between
1: soul, mind, spirit, those all
2: awesome terms that kind of are used in terms of Do mm-hmm. uh, you guys draw a distinction or see a distinction maybe
0: in switch between spirit and soul? Yeah,
2: that's a
1: good question. So we've disagreed about this in the past.
0: No, well, no, no. I brought it up, and you're like, "Whoa!" You're just confusing that person. And then, uh, yeah. So I accidentally probably confused someone by bringing up this problem. But that's that's kind of what we disagreed about. But um, spirit and soul and all those terms in the Bible. So um, a lot. The object. Well, first thing, the objection to dualism. So just like body and soul. Is that the Bible uses one a bunch of other terms for it like spirit so a lot of people think they there's a kind of like um, three so body soul spirit they, they think there's three and then the spirit would be like something we get when we actually believe so and that's like regenerated and we always have like a body and soul now some some people argue that the Jewish people um, In the old testament they had no distinction between body and soul they thought it was just one thing and that everything in the new testament even though it makes that distinction is just influenced by greek thought which we which we should reject right and so that's kind of the argument so there's the view of we're just one thing we're two things and then we're three things now um, the response to that is that yes we we can see in the old testament that a lot of Jewish thinking and he, uh, like thinking of the Hebrews shows that we are one thing. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we don't have multiple parts. So we could have a body and soul, but it's working in unity and we'll, we would still be one thing. But in the New Testament, we also see this body and soul distinction. So and we also see that our soul, when we die, goes somewhere and is removed from our body. Right? So we can't just be one unitary thing, um, but also we, we aren't designed to just be a soul. We, we're designed to be a body, so we're supposed to be unified right there. So when we die and our soul goes, we are in an incomplete state because we don't have our body. right? Um, and so we would say there's this term called conditional unity, like we're designed to be unified. But also, we have these dis- different parts where at death, they kind of separate, but they will eventually be unified again. Now, the, the three parts, so body, soul, spirit, that's more of a linguistic problem where, in, in the Bible, we, we get these terms. But if you really look at the meaning and use of spirit and soul, they're really, most of the time, or all the time, they're like the same thing. Um, I think there might only be like one or two passages that are really controversial when it comes to spirit, but yeah. and I also don't think we should j- reject all of Greek thought. Um, I think a lot of it is very helpful, and we see a lot of it in the New Testament.
1: Yeah. I think we're embodied
0: souls. Yes, that's the conclusion.
1: <laughs> we're a unified whole, made of body and soul.
2: Yeah. OK, that's
1: all I got. That's it. Thanks.